Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Welcome, everybody. Great to see you out this morning. Amen. Hey, we're thankful that you're here, but listen, we also want to give a shout out to everybody that's watching online. Let's welcome everybody online this morning. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Love that. The beautiful thing about online there, uh, obviously we love when we can gather together personally, but there's times that you can't make it, depending on perhaps weather, maybe not feeling good, maybe out of town, so you can always tune in and join with us. And if you miss, for whatever reason, you can go back and catch up and, and keep up with what God's doing in and through Tree of Life. So again, want to welcome everybody online. Uh, a different Sunday, perhaps, from the standpoint of just this weekend, uh, all the weather issues and things happening. Uh, our first... Um, priority is your safety. And so making decisions for the weekend, we're going to make a decision on what we feel is the most safe for everybody. And then we just trust God for the rest. And so uh, we're believing that you guys are, are safe and, and dry. And I know there's some things that happen in our area. We didn't obviously get as much as other areas did. We're going to take a moment to pray uh, for the other areas. Uh, so we want to always be aware of, you know, the times that we can pray. And even the midst of a hurricane, you know, God can dissipate that. God can turn that. God can diminish that. God can do anything. So prayers are important. Uh, our hearts go out to all those that have been affected in the different areas, especially around the coast. We actually have some friends of ours that are here from Victoria. Uh, Victoria, as you know, was just under the gun for quite, quite some time. And so we've been in prayer with them and their family, their home church. And we want to let you know if you're in this area and you have suffered some damage or are looking maybe for some help, you can contact our office and we'll see what we can do or how we can connect you. And so I appreciate everybody. You know, we were mobilizing for a shelter, to be a shelter. We are a shelter here, and the Red Cross called us and asked us to mobilize and get ready. And so we did, and many of you, I think over 40 of you responded and, and were ready to go. And then we got a call from Red Cross and said, you're actually now in the impact zone so you can't be a shelter because we can't evacuate people to you and then maybe have to evacuate from there. And so, but we are ready in any capacity. So we thank you for being ready and a moment's notice. Appreciate your heart and, and desire to do that. And so God uses us in a lot of different ways. But before we move on to our message, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to stand. I know you've been up. Let's stand. Let's really just join our faith together, to, together, together and pray for God's hand um, to continue to be on the situation. We know it is not by any means over and will not be for quite some time with flooding, as you know, things of that sort. Um, it's impacted so many lives in so many ways, but we can make a difference right here, right now with our prayer of faith. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. You are God of the universe. You're creator of heaven and earth, and we, we look to you, Father God, to intervene on behalf of people. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon this situation, and we trust you, Lord. We pray for the storm to diminish, to dissipate, to be gone. I know what experts say, Father God, but you are the expert of experts, Lord, and Lord, that you can control things. And we say, peace be still to the storm in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, for those that have already been impacted. And first and foremost, we pray for lives. The most valuable thing, Father God, is a life of an individual. We pray, Father God, for those that are missing to be found. We pray for families to be at peace. We pray for people that are in the midst of flooding, Lord. We pray for their safety and protection. We pray for people to walk in wisdom, Father God, and use wisdom and common sense. But Lord, even when people, for whatever reason, uh, uh, don't seem to do that, we pray for mercy upon them in Jesus' name. The mercy of the Lord to be theirs if, if, theirs if they're not walking in wisdom, Father God. We pray for first responders who are putting their life on the line every moment on behalf of other people, Father God. We pray for leadership that are making decisions for community 
state and federal level, Father God. We pray for release of resources in Jesus' name. We pray, Father God, for the government to release the resources. We pray for the churches to rise up and be the church in Jesus' name and help and assist in whatever capacity. Uh, we know there's a lot, a, a, a long road for many, Father God. We pray they grow not weary and well-doing. We pray for joy to rise up in their soul, Father God. Material things you can, uh, Father God, restore. We know there's, there's, there's uh, sentiment and, and uh, feelings and affection attached to homes and, and belongings, and we, we realize that and understand that. But Father God, we pray that you comfort their hearts. We pray for people to come alongside of them and lift their arms up when they hang down. We pray against discouragement and depression, Father God. May they see the hope that you can bring. We thank you, Father God, for just the prayers that go forth today that have gone forth, will go forth. Lord, have, have, have changed the thing, Father God. Change the environment. Change the happenings. And Father God, we just trust you with everything. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's a faithful God. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right. You know, just trying to decide what to do in the midst of all this and asking for God's direction. And we never really ever want to cancel a service. And we're very thankful for the online opportunities and stuff. But I appreciate you guys you coming out today. Again, we ask everyone just to weigh their own situation and obviously safety first. Um, we are in, having a family service and obviously a warm one. I see many people fainting themselves. And so maybe we can get that uh, addressed a little bit. But a family service means we just decided to have everybody in here. Uh, a couple things about that. Number one, we're thankful that our children's ministry team got a break. Amen. Let's just get, we're thankful for our children's ministry workers. Come on. Now, having said that, I know that some of you watching right now are home because you didn't want to try and wrangle your kid <laughs> in service. I understand that. But can I say there's great grace here this morning, amen? Because we are a family, and we have grace extended to the rest of our family. And so we know, and today's where I remember as a kid, and my parents would drag us kicking and screaming to church. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have iPhones. I don't think we had coloring books. They weren't going to give us They give us the look. That's what they gave us, right? Every once in a while, a little tap on the back of the head or a little pinch, which I never understood because if I wasn't loud then, I was loud in that moment. And uh, so we just great grace to families this morning. Thank you for coming. And feel free to, if you need to be at the back or whatever that is, then by all means. And God bless you. We're going to extend great grace to everybody. But we want to press forward today with our series. Our series is called I Love Tree. And so can I tell you, this is a great example of being a part of a local body that we embrace each other. We pray for each other's needs. And, and we come together. We make sacrifices to be together. We have grace extended to kids in service today and other families. And we just come together as a family. Amen. So I love that family feeling of coming together. So so we are in part three. Um, again, I just want to encourage you guys to, to lock in today. It's a part, it's four, four part series. Just sharing my heart on who we are as a church and who God's created us to be, why we do some of the things that we do. If you haven't had a chance to be with us yet, by all means, go back and, and log into the first one two weeks ago and, and catch, up, catch up to today. Or if you miss it for some reason, you can always pick it back up. But some things in my heart for today and keeping in line with where the direction, the course of the series is, I want to talk about um, a tree we care. The first week was a tree we grow. We grow the kingdom of God being a soul winning church. Amen. We're here to seek and save the lost like Jesus did. We're here to win souls. We're here to grow in our walk with the Lord, grow in discipleship and transformational living. Uh, we're here to grow in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we talked about we, we, uh, we give, we, the heart behind it, not how. We, we know the how, we're taught the how. 
how, it's important to know the how, but the why. You got to know the why, the heart behind our giving and why we do what we do. Being a willing giver, as we saw in the scripture, just because we love God and what God's done for us and then our opportunity to bless people. Today, we're talking about a tree we care. We care for one another. And so, um, it perhaps is a very timely message, <laughs> keeping in line with the events that have happened, but I want to share some things in my heart about our belief system here at Tree and why we do what we do and how it is important for you to get connected and hook up with us. Now, in week one, we talked about three directives. I'm not going to review, but it's setting up today. We talked about that Jesus is the head of the church, and he gave three directives while he came back from Resurrection Day to day he ascended or rose up into heaven. There was a 40-day period. On his first day back on the planet, he said, go preach the gospel, win souls. And then uh, several uh, days later, he talked about with his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. That means help people grow in their day-to-day living, transformational living. And then the day he ascended or was taken up into heaven, he spoke as is written by uh, Luke in the book of Acts. Luke is also the writer of Acts. Uh, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Talk about the Holy Spirit power. And then verse 9 says, he ascended to heaven. We're going to pick up right after his final directive in the scripture to get our instruction to look at our model as a New Testament church here at Tree of Life. And so we're going to look up what, what, what takes place right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so take, turn to Acts 2 for me, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Here's what it says right after they received the Holy Spirit. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now let's hold on. If we could just stay in 42 for just a second. It says, they devoted themselves to some things. The church is being established. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And there's some things that they're going to do now as a church. That's our model. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to Bible study, to learning, to growing, to learning doctrine, to learning spiritual truth. They devoted themselves, it says, to fellowship. It talks about that they got together. They hung out. They spent time together with each other. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. That doesn't mean they just literally broke loaves of bread together. It means communion, the Lord's Supper. It means getting together and enjoying that meal and other spiritual events with others. And they devoted themselves, it says there, to prayer. Uh, The result of those things we see in verse 43, the next verse says this, and because they devoted themselves to those things, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So the result of devoting themselves to those things were mentioned in 42 is an outpouring of God's spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles, and the coming together, they were, all the believers were together. They were devoted to one another as well. They came together as a family. There was a focus on the value of being together. And I think that's a big thing for us because I think that society has switched our focus on the value of being independent or the value of you get yours and forget everybody else, or get ahead at everybody else's expense. But understand, that's not the biblical model. We see that even in churches. That's not the biblical model, and it talks about all believers were together. There's a value on being together. Verse 45 says, they sold property possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love that. It says they were literally meeting each other's needs. Now listen, they were meeting each other's needs. They were meeting each other's needs. I love that because that doesn't mean like the church as a whole is an organization and its programs meeting the needs of people. It doesn't mean the government was necessarily meeting the needs of the people. It doesn't mean that you were meeting your own needs because sometimes that's an impossibility. It says together, collectively, the people were meeting each other's needs. They were literally doing that. 
And verse 46 says this, every day, say every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now understand something, I'm the guy who would love to have church every day. Can I just tell you, I would love it, I love that. But it doesn't mean they were meeting every day in church. It says, listen, every day they were meeting in temple what? That's not inside the building. That's outside the building. They're not meeting every day in a church service. Now there is a temple meeting that's important. That's kind of like what we're having together. That means they were just coming up to the church property and hanging out. What are you doing? I don't know. Let's just go hang out at the church. We got picnic tables out there. Hey, that's a cool place by the pond. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Call them. What are they doing? I don't know nothing. Let's go hang out there. Let's just talk and do life together. Let's just have some time together. Let's hang out at the church a little bit outside the church, by the pond, in the front, by the picnic tables, wherever. They were having little huddles and little gatherings. And it says, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They would come together on church grounds, meet together in groups, hang out in huddles, and they broke bread together in homes. Verse 47 says this, uh, the result is praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number what? Daily. Those who are being saved. You mean the Lord just didn't add to the church on Sundays when we gave the altar call? No. Daily. Our daily lives. Coming together collectively. That we bring other people with us to the huddle at, outside on the temple courts, right? We're inviting them up to the fishing pond or whatever we're doing. We're inviting them into our lives and, and the result of being a part of our lives and us talking about God and the things of God, all of a sudden people are getting saved daily. They're being added to the church because who doesn't want to be a part of that? Who doesn't want to be a part of a family of community? Sometimes the, the hindrance of people coming to church is church. <laughs> it's just the truth. Sometimes the hindrance of coming to Christianity are Christians. It's because we don't understand the model that Jesus laid out for us. And so it's important for us to gather together, to be together, not just in a temple worship experience, but in temp- on the temple courts or outside and in homes. It's important for us to do that. Uh, I want you to know that we need more. We need more. Hear me, as a pastor that loves to preach on Sunday morning, we need more than a Sunday experience. Because we can hide here in rows. Many of us come and go every week and don't know anybody. We can hide in rows. And what you'll see here is a pattern in the New Testament church of temple worship and house-to-house ministry. And so what you see today is people, let me say, what you see today, however, having just said that, what you see today, however, is people coming to church expecting that type of ministry. You're coming to church with 2,000 people expecting little holy huddles outside and fellowshipping. You're coming expecting the apostles' doctrine to be talked about in terms that you can relate and understand and then encourage each other in. You're coming expecting to meet that need of fellowship when there's 2,000 people coming and going. You're coming, I'm not saying you are, but that's the mindset today. We got away from the New Testament example. I think man did that to just create big churches or whatever. But listen, the greatest ministry takes place in the temple court huddles and in home-to-home ministry. Relationships is the key to your growing to be the person God wants you to be. But now we put the responsibility on the church on the Sunday gathering, and that was not what Jesus intended. This truth. You saw that right now. We'll continue to see that as we lay this, this message out today. And that's hard for me to say because I love the Sunday experience. Now, we need to have the Sunday experience. We need to come together and have a word spoken to our life. We need to come together and celebrate and honor God and lift our voices. We need to come together and bring the tithe into the storehouse. But listen, real growth in your life comes in the context of relationships, where now you're challenged to walk out what you've heard. Now you're being held accountable, if you will. You're spurring each other on to good works. We'll get to that scripture in just a second. But that's how it actually took place. 
coming together, not only in the temple experience, if you will, but in temple courts and in house to house, um, but people praying for one another, the discipleship and Bible study, needs or care happening for one another uh, in the huddles in the temple courts and throughout the city. But it's easy to get away from all that. It's easy. And man has gotten away from all that. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, let us hold unswervingly, I love that word. I just like saying unswervingly. Use that in a sentence when you're out in the community and just see what happens. I don't know, it's fun. Um, and then if they look at you funny, tell them you go to a different church. But um, um, let us hold unswervingly because we live our life from here to here. I wanna pray, I don't wanna pray. I wanna go to church, I don't wanna go to church. I wanna read my Bible, I don't wanna read my Bible. And so we need to live our life consistently we need to live our life unswervingly. So let us hold, uh, we need to live our, live our life unswervingly. Hold to the hope we profess. Hold on to your faith for he who has promised. God wants to get in your process, is faithful. And let us consider, now listen, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How can we stay unswervingly in our faith and include God in our process? It's by encouraging one another. You're going to live an unswervingly life. You cannot do it alone. Can I tell you? I love that. And I pray that. I pray that prayer. Lord, my daughters are driving today. Let them drive unswervingly in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then I get in the car with them. I'm like, whoa, watch out from here. Whoa, hold on. So I was like, we want to stay straight. We need other people because sometimes we can't see when we got off course. We can't see when we're drifting. We need other people. And it goes on to say this, not giving up meeting together. Now, can we back up to 24 for just a second? And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. How do we do that? How do we stay on the straight and narrow? By not giving up meeting together. What, in temple praise? No, in temple courts and house to house. Relationship. That's how we stay straight. And, 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 but, but understand, our human nature is to forget or drift away from those things. Some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's going to be even more necessary the closer we get to the return of Jesus to make sure we're connecting in temple courts and in house to house, because that's going to help us encourage each other to stay on the straight and narrow. The closer we get to the return of Jesus, the crazier the world's going to get, the more we need each other. Amen? We need each other. We're better together. You need to keep the holy huddle thing going on in temple courts and the house-to-house thing to stay unswervingly. We need to be reminded. Don't get in the habit of living life or doing life all by yourself. Don't get into that bad habit. You've got in the habit, sometimes we get in the habit of just coming and going and not building a relationship or meeting people. We get in the habit sometimes of hiding in the row. So we need to encourage one another. Life change doesn't just happen with a Sunday worship experience, but in the context of relationships. And so we can't be a church that just has Sunday and Wednesday worship experiences. We need to follow the model that was established in the scripture, the model of the early church. Temple worship, meeting daily in temple courts and house to house, and we are trying to build that here in a greater capacity. That's why you're hearing community groups. That's why you're hearing life groups. That's why you hear serve groups, being a part of a team, being a part of a group. I want to challenge all of us together. I want to challenge the heart of this church for us to work together to build this model, to buy into this model of the early church, to make sure we're following the system, if you will, that God established. Let's be the church God always visioned and intended, not the idea schemes of man or culture or society or political situations. 
Let's be the church as he intended. So that's what you see starting September 3rd next week, and you'll see life groups. Life groups are, are small groups meetings. They're eight to 12 weeks or based on common interests or things of that sort. Then you heard community groups. Those are for those that we hope everybody eventually will get into a community group. They're based on where you live. They're eight to, eight to 12 months. It's a longer commitment, and there's a purpose for that, and there's a power for that. It's hard to build family. It's hard to build a family in eight to 12 weeks. Right? You can enjoy some stuff, but we're hoping you'll enjoy that, relationally connect, but then jump on over into a community group and have a family for a year or beyond. So it's important for us to get back to the New Testament model. We need to be doing that. So uh, can I just say, Jessamy and I have had those kind of relationships. We need those relationships. And we can attribute growth in our life. We can contribute some consistency in our lives, not just to God. Now hear me in this. Not just to God. Much of this is attributed to God's system. God put out a system, this is his system, for a reason, it works. So we attribute who we are and how we grow, yes, to God and doing what God told us to do, but in the context of relationships, we have close relationships that help us do exactly what these scriptures say, stay on course and be unswerving. Now, not perfect, but they help us. I have people in my life that check me, pray for me, encourage me, love me. God has a system, a relationship with God and relationship with God's people. The truth is, in God's system, we're not just products of God, but products of God's people. Now, throughout our lives, now here's, this, here's the pushback, throughout our lives, we're, we're, we, we're in groups at times, and, and we're, we're put in groups, and all throughout our lives, you're in classes, and you don't choose the people in your class, you're put in your class, you're, you're put on a team, you're, you're put with people, Sunday school, whatever that is, that, and sometimes we have negative or bad experiences. And so there's some things that we don't like about the idea of groups. Being with groups of people. And, and I'm just thinking what, what that might be like. What, what might be some of the reasons we don't like that? And let me give you this one. And this is me. I only want to be around people I like. Don't look at me funny. Come on. Right? I love everybody. But I don't like everybody. And sometimes I like them at different times and dislike them at different times. You know how that is. You're the same way. And so in classes and teams sometimes we get bad experiences because we're forced to be with a bunch of people we just don't want to be around. Can I tell you, that's not what life groups are. You get to pick your groups. You get to pick your community groups. I want to be in that group. I like that leader. I like where he lives. I like where they talk about. They look, I like their likes. I want to be a part of that. Sometimes we just get forced into stuff. Most of the systems we're in, we're forced into groups and things that you didn't really choose. Another reason is I only want to do some things that I'm interested in. I mean, come on. I've been in classes. I've been in groups and stuff. I just didn't, they didn't pass the... I, they didn't, they didn't pass the I don't really care test, right? And he's like, I don't really care to learn that. What am I going to do with that? Come on, I'm not, I'm not the only one here. I'm the only one brave enough to say it. That's it. And so it's like, but in, in groups, you, you pick the things that you like, the, the teachings that you like, and, and then if you don't like that, when that semester is up, you go into a different one, in life groups that is, and so there's a, a way to, to talk about things and be a part of things that you like to do. And let me say it this way, if there's not a group based on the things you like to do, lead one. Because it's really not only just about the groups we're starting now, it's about the groups we're going to start next time. About all of you getting on board and becoming leaders and leading groups. Why? Because that's the model. I want to encourage you in that. And, and uh, how, about, how about this one? I don't know about you, but I need an exit strategy. <laughs> Come on. Now, how long is this group? <laughs> is this till Jesus comes back? Are you kidding me? How long is that going to be? That's why you have groups that are 8 to 12 weeks, and that's how, why you have groups that are 8 to 12 months. And so there's an extra, can I tell you that we've tried to remove all the obstacles we've good. 
Because the enemy will use those to keep you out of connecting with people that will help you live, live an unswervingly life. And so listen, it's important to follow the New Testament model. It's there for a reason. God established that. How about this one? Let me, let me this one will move on. Life is too busy. Can I tell you, life is too busy for another meeting. That's why we're being very intentional. We've cut back on activities, activities and things like that. We're gonna have them, we need to have them. But listen, can I tell you, I don't need another meeting either, but I need this. I need what was just described in the New Testament model. I need to be, so I might need to eliminate some other things in my life, and as a church we're trying to be very mindful too and not pull you in a bunch of different directions, but can I tell you, we need this. We need each other, and that's the way it was set up. And so we have groups, community groups, life groups, you choose. Life change happens in groups. Can I tell you this, curriculums don't change people's lives, relationships do. The curriculums are bait. Well, that sounds interesting, I want to get in that one. Curriculums are tools. But you know, it's the relationship that you have that encourages you to walk it out and hold you accountable to it. And that's where you grow. Can I tell you, you are here and blessed with amazing preaching and teaching. Thank you, I could have got a little bit, a little bit more, but I'll take that, I'll take that. First service people would have shouted me out of the building, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm just kidding. But you, can I tell you, as much as I love that, you can come and give your life to Jesus here, but, and these meetings will, will help inspire you, but growth? happens with other people. Your real life change, you can come a whole year here and just come to Wednesday morning and hopefully apply those things to your life, but you still won't grow like you could as if you did in meeting in temple court huddles and with relationships throughout the week. That then you're opening your heart up. Because can I tell you here, it's not like a discussion. You know that. It's just me expressing things from the Word of God that God put on my heart. But there, you're in a circle, you're face to face, you're doing life together. And you don't have to share life with everybody. You can just pull that one person aside and say, hey, can we talk? And you have people engaging with you and life with you, helping you grow. And that's why you might find things like parenting. And if if you love parenting, talking about it, you need to lead a parenting group. There's a lot of people that would love to be in a group and talk about parenting and how to raise kids. You can talk about things like if you like ultimate frisbee and getting together for activities, uh, couples going to dinner, fellowshipping, I mean, you name it. Listen, there's something for everybody. You need to get involved in these models that will help us grow in life. I'm, I'm gonna lead a group this time. I, I'm not making a plug for it, but listen, I love to pray. I love to pray. And I was so disappointed that we canceled my day of prayer yesterday. Can I tell you? The staff only gave me two out of 21. And one got rained out. I love to pray. And so I'm going to take my love, and I'm doing a a Saturday morning prayer life group. And so you guys know, if you've heard me before, I'm not going to go to the gym ever again, right? I've already talked about that. But two times around this campus is a mile. But I can pray and walk, and walk and pray, and prayer walk. And so it's that simple. And I'm going to invite a bunch of people that feel the same way out to do that with me. We're going to fellowship, we're going to pray together, open our hearts up to the things of God. We're going to pray over this church and the people in this church. We're going to pray, uh, my mom used to lead these groups, we're going to pray um, on site with insight, right? And we're going to do that. So it's, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about developing this kind of system here at Tree Life Church to follow the New Testament model. And so we're building groups with different interests that have beginnings and endings, and if your interests change and there's another group or you can lead a group, which I hope you do, let me... Let me tell you, it works. Why? Because it's God's system. It works because it's God's system. And I want you to know this is part of our vision. This is part of who we are. Real discipleship, life change takes place in relationships. And that's why this is what the early church was devoted to. Let me take a look in the remaining time. Turn to the book of John for me. 
I want you to see this, just a powerful image here of Jesus in the book of John. And, and the Gospels, the Gospel writers wrote, wrote about the life and times of Jesus. But the Gospel John, especially in his book, he wrote not about his 33 years or the three and a half years of ministry. He didn't write about the last couple months of ministry like the others did. He didn't write about the last couple weeks of ministry like the others did. He actually wrote a big part of his book on the last night Jesus was with them on the planet. Pretty cool. He had a lot to say. Five chapters on one night, the night of the Last Supper, and then he was taken and he was beaten and crucified and, and buried and then rose again. So John wrote five chapters in his book on one night. It's Thursday night, and it's the Last Supper night, and there's a lot of discussion that happened then. Jesus knew what was coming, and he wanted to deposit some things into his disciples. And so John records it in the most detail. And so you're going to see two main topics in these five chapters. We'll pull a few points out, but you'll see two main topics in these five chapters I'm going to share with you out of the book of John. Uh, one is, you, first topic is you need to get as close as you can to the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You need to get as close as you can. I'm going back to directive number three, if you want to go back to our first message in this, install, in this first installment in the series. You need to get as close as you can. The second thing, second theme in these five books, it talks a lot about the relationship one with another. So relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and relationship one with another. In fact, we're going to look in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and we're going to get five principles, one out of each chapter, about relationships. And they're all about groups. The final message of Jesus is all about groups. Let's take a quick look. Um, Jesus has come to the Last Supper. Look at John 13 for me. Um, he, he puts on, uh, the, he takes on, he take, it says he takes off his outer garment, takes off like him, take off my, my jacket, my nice shirt, let me put an apron on because I'm fixing to get down up close and personal with you, basically. So he gets down and he's going to wash their feet and there's some pushback. Only one spoke up. You can't imagine like everybody's freaking out because Jesus is now washing their feet and Peter's the only one that really spoke up because he's the sanguine in the group, right? So John 13, 8. Here's what it says. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part. Say part. part. We're going to come back to the word. You have no part with me. Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Jesus says, unless, I'm up, I'm, unless you let me get this up close and personal with you, unless we get this close, unless we get comfortable in an awkward moment, unless we get in the middle of things we don't really like, but we need to be there, then I have no part with you or we can't be partners. Come on. It's awkward to get in groups. It's awkward to reveal things to people. It's awkward. But unless we get that close and awkward and push through, there's no partnership. We're not people that really do life together as God intended. And so it is awkward. But Jesus is saying, listen, I need to get up and close and personal with you and even uncomfortable. You saw that in the video. It's important. Unless I do this, we have no real partnership. The part is where, part is where you get the word partnership. Unless you have a few people you can get up close and personal with, you have no partnership. The whole thing called life is built around partnership or relationship. And that's why the devil comes after it so hard. That's why the devil fights you so hard in relationships. He knows the power of them. Five truths, five chapters, one night. When you have partnership, it means, number one, you're serving one another, serving one another. It means everyone, we all have situations in life that we need help in. We all need someone to help us out because every one of us is in need. Listen, can I tell you something? I hope this doesn't weird you out. Even the guy speaking, I have needs in my life I need people to help me with. Come on. Can I tell you, I don't want to ever be the church that acts like we have it all together because we don't. 
We're just like you. And, but we all need each other. And so we serve one another, and that's one of the messages in chapter 13. We serve one another. Let's take a look. John 13, verse 12 says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his, took off his apron, put his nice, nicer clothes back on, returned to his place. And he says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And it's really not talking about just, I cleaned your nasty, dirty feet. I mean, he's like, do you understand what a big sacrifice that was? He's like, do you understand what I'm showing you? You call me teacher and you elevate me to a position and Lord, which is right. I am your teacher, but that's what I am. But now that you, now that I rather, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. You should serve each other just like I modeled that. I've showed you the secret to productive life. I showed you the secret to unswerving life, and that is partnerships and being willing to get uncomfortable and being in awkward situations. He's saying, that's why I showed this and modeled this to you. you." It goes on to say this. I've set for you an example. You should do as I have done for you. He's saying, I've washed your feet. Go get up close and personal with other people now. Don't just come to meetings and go home. You need to have people that you can get up and close and personal with. You need partners. You need people to serve. What was he saying? These partnerships can care for you more than any other service. These partnerships can care for you more than your pastor. Why? Look around. I love all of you. We'll just leave the like thing. We won't even talk about that one. But I love all of you, right? We, we already covered that. I love all of you. Listen, there, but there's 2,000 of you. That's why we need partnerships. That's why the model was there. Ecclesiastes talks about that, 4, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Now, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough for you. Hate it for you. Two in a bed, warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the worst. Hey, and if you can round up a third, a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Second principle, John 14, next chapter, encourage one another, encouraging one another. The word in the Bible means to lift the spirits or to cheer someone up. Why? Because we all have days that we're discouraged. Can I tell you, there's people in here right now that are probably fighting discouragement because of what has happened, outcome of the storms. Or you have family or friend or you've personally been affected by it. We all have days where discouraged. So we encourage people. John 14, 1 says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. But he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, why was their hearts troubled? It's because all he's been talking about is he's going to have to leave them. He's going to die. And so they're kind of discouraged and depressed. Are you serious? And so he encourages them like we encourage people. So then the following scriptures, he starts talking about heaven. Can I tell you, talking about heaven is a good way to encourage somebody. I know it's bad right now, but come on, you're going to be in heaven one day. So he's encouraging them. We all need people to encourage us. Those partnerships help us be encouraged. He's talking about one day I'm gonna, I'm going to take a, build a mansion for you, I'm going to come back for you. Be encouraged. We all get discouraged. And I tell you, again, even I get discouraged. I'm thankful for the people in my life that just at the right time, a partner will text me. And I'll just wonder. I was like, how did they know? Well, we're in partnership together and the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Man, we've all been there. Someone said something and lifted my spirits. That's why. You better have partners because when you're discouraged, you don't think straight. You don't make wise decisions when you're discouraged. We all need that. And I want that for all of you. I want all of you to have that. And as a pastor, part of my job is to watch over you as a shepherd. But can I tell you, it can be a little overwhelming because there's 2,000 sheep. But I trust the system. I trust the system God created. 
and the system we're trying to develop more and more here. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another, what, when? Encourage one another daily, you need it daily. You need it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened. Here's what happens if you don't have someone to encourage you. You'll be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You'll start swerving daily, not on Sunday. Okay, John 15, number three. We're in partnership, we produce more with one another, producing with one another. Succeeding, accomplishing. We all know this. We all we can get more done together than alone. John says this, John 15, four through five says this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart, no partners, no partnership, you can do nothing. Reproduce more together. We're always going to accomplish more together. And even spiritually, it's so obvious, and and we pray and we look in the Scripture. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 32 says this, one can put a thousand to flight, that's pretty good, but two can put 10,000. Look at what you can do in partnership. You can produce more. Jesus says when you're going to pray, grab somebody, because when two or three of you agree together, there's power there. In partnership, you can produce more. Let's keep going. Let's look at John 16. We did 13, 14, 15, John 16. What's he teaching us here in partnership? You can protect one another, protecting one another. Same night, five chapters, fourth thing, protecting one another. John 16, 1 says this. All this I've told you so that you will not fall away. Another translation says go astray. But basically what it means, the Greek word here for that term is skandalizo, which we get the word scandal. So when you're in partnership with people, listen, if you're not in partnership with people, you can end up in a scandal. And when we know people that end up in scandals, if they just would have had or listen to the people in life speaking to them, you don't want to fall into scandal. That's scandalous. We don't have any partnerships. The Greek word scandal, if you get in a partnership, there will be no scandals in life. It means you'll not get caught, and it's what that literally means, you'll not get caught in a trap you did not see. Listen, get in partnership, serve one another. This, this all happened one night while they were having a meal. You have your group there to protect you so you don't fall away. Even in a group, you might not be able to say it, but you can pull that one person aside and talk to them. Do you have a protective ally? Let me say it this way. Do you have a protective ally? Men especially, men, do you have a protective ally? That's not just your spouse. Then guess what? September 2nd, come get one. Men's breakfast. September 2nd, come get one. Get in the groups. Come on, men. We cannot be out there unprotected without guys with us, helping us walk through life. Jesus knows it. I'm I'm telling you this so you won't be in a scandal. So life groups, community groups are not just another mini church service. We don't need more of those. We need to work our issues out together. We've all got issues. Chapter 13, serve. Chapter 14, encourage. Chapter 15, be productive together. Chapter 16, protect one another. Last one, thank you for being patient. Let me go a little extra even with all the kids in here. John 17 has a very clear message about partnership, and that is praying for one another. Praying for one another, but not like how you think. This is interesting. And really, when we read this, you'll think, wow, Jesus said that? I wouldn't have expected that. But here's what it says in John 17. 
1A, listen, the first part. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Let's go see what he prayed, part of what he prays. Here's what he prays. I pray for them. For who? My group. I'm praying for the apostles. I'm praying for my disciples. I'm not praying. Well, how do you know that? Well, because he basically says it in the next sentence. He says this, I'm not praying for the world. What do you mean? Jesus isn't praying for the world? Yeah, why? Because there's seven billion people? He goes, I can call my group and pray for them by name. But I can't pray for all seven billion people in the world by name. Can I tell you? That's a big deal. You know what happens in groups? Community groups and life groups? Here's what we challenge and encourage and teach and, and just press in and press on our group leaders. Pray for the people in your group every day by name. By name. It may be the only person you have praying for you by name, but you'll at least have one. And ultimately, everybody in the group will be praying for everybody by name. Why? I can't pray for all of you. Can I tell you? All of you need to be prayed for by name, but I can't pray for 2,000 people by name. But I can pray for about 30 or 40. But if we're all connecting in groups and life groups and community groups and serve groups, we ought, if we're all doing and following the model and doing what Jesus challenged and charged us to do, then every single one of us should have our name prayed by, for by a leader, at least by a leader in here. Why? I need somebody praying for me every day. I need somebody praying for me every day. I don't know all of you. I wish I did. I pray for Jessamy and the girls. I pray for my mom, my family. I pray for Pastor Cody. I pray for the other pastors, the staff here on this team. I have 30, 40, 50 people I can pray for, but I can't pray for 2,000, but I need 2,000 people. I need 2,000 names being prayed for every day. So that's why we're building after the model, the system, because we can't do it alone. We have to do it. If you'll partner, it'll happen. Group leaders will lift your name up every day. I love that Jesus was laying that out there. Hey church, let's follow the early church model. Let's be a New Testament church. There's a reason why it was set up and established this way. Let's follow it. Let's have dynamic, spirit-filled encounters together. Absolutely. Uh, let's take our resources together and influence and change our world through uh, Mission Sunday and Audible de Vida and all those things in India. But let's not forget, as is the habit of some, meeting together, hanging out in the temple courts together or in homes face to face. There's great power there because we're better together. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.